Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Hello, mamas, and happy Mama Truth Monday. It's Amy Ehlers here, and I'm so excited and delighted, as always, to be back with another Mama Truth show. And today we are going to talk about postpartum depression and what our bodies and our brains go through after we have children. I think this topic is so vital and so important because I know that there is multiple moms that are listening right now that might be very confused as of what the heck is going on and why they do not feel like themselves. And so I wanted to bring on an expert in this topic, someone that I've personally known since I was a little girl, on this little beach at the lake that I go to every year. My daughters are fourth generation now that actually go to this lake every single summer. Um, And we used to run around as little girls on this lake. And then the amazing Carrie Wasson, who's joining us today, Dr. Wasson, I should say, is joining us. Um, She has just turned into such an incredible woman, someone that I greatly admire, and a woman who really is a mom that I admire so much. She has been doing um, this kind of work, um, practicing in psychology for over 10 years. She has worked in schools. She's worked in mental health facilities. She's worked in communities, all about really helping people feel their best and thrive. And she has a special passion for working with moms and moms-to-be. She also is one of the founding members of an incredible nonprofit called Home-Based Parenting. And you can check that out at homebase excuse me, B-A-S-E, parenting.org, homebasedparenting.org. She also has a private practice in Oakland, California. That's right, where I'm from, people. So I'm so excited to have her on the show. Welcome, Carrie, to the Mama Truth Show. Amy, thank you so much for inviting me. Hi, Mama Truth Nation. (laughs) I love it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, let's dive in. Let's just talk. I would love for you to just kind of set the context on what our bodies, what our brains, what our hormones go through after we have a baby. Okay, so after you have a baby, you you sustain a pregnancy with the most progesterone and estrogen you're ever going to have in your body. So when you have a baby, that level of hormone crashes the minute that baby's born. Wow, the minute the baby's born. Yeah. So as you're giving birth and making that transition, the baby's born, the estrogen and progesterone levels like completely crash. And that is normal. Mm -hmm. And so one of the side effects of that is what some people call postpartum blues or the baby blues. And that is completely normal response to pregnancy. What happens is sometimes you get really tearful, you start crying and you don't know why. (laughs) You feel completely overwhelmed, obviously. Um, You can be exhausted. Yeah. It lasts, it starts around the second day, the psychological response, and it can last up to two weeks. And it's totally normal. It is not mild depression. It is not a mental illness. It is the response to birth. Wow. You know, I'm just um, picturing um, being at the hospital with my big sister after she had, well, I can't remember. I think it might've been her second baby. She has three mm-hmm. and sitting there in the room with her and her just looking at me and bursting out into tears. This was before I become a mom. And she's like, 
I'm like, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? And she's like, nothing. I don't know why I'm crying. I just have to sit here and cry for a little while. And I was like, okay, I'll sit here with you while you cry. And she's, my sister's definitely not as anywhere near as much of a crier as this one right here is. But I was just like, wow, sweetheart. And then of course that completely happened for me as well after birthing both of my girls of just this flood of emotion that just takes you by storm. You're not sure you're exhausted. Like it's just a whirlwind of not knowing what the hell is going on. <laughs> right. And they let us leave the hospital with the baby. How crazy is that? What a a system. Yeah. And I'm curious, Carrie, what happens for the men, for the fathers? Because I feel like, um, you know, for the men, for the mom that maybe didn't give birth, that's there for the adoptive mom, is there also like a mirroring or a halo effect that happens for them watching the birth, being part of the birth or being handed a brand new baby when they're adopting or a two-year-old when they're adopting, whatever the case may be, do they go some through some sort of thing in their brain and their body and their hormone system? Well, they don't have the hormone drop that moms do, yeah. but it is, I mean, it's a huge transition. And not, not only are you worried about your new baby as a partner of, you know, a new parent, but you're also worried about your partner. And if there's yeah. been any trauma with the birth, any problems, it's scary. Yeah. It's really scary. Not only that, you're responsible for the, the patient, the mom. Yep. And then this baby too. And if mom is compromised, it's like, oh, geez, here I am. <laughs> I'm on point. <laughs> I better figure this thing out. Yeah. Okay. So then where do you draw the line as a therapist and what as a mom or a newer mom, what have you, where do you draw the line where it becomes what is called postpartum depression. Right. So they're actually, you know, when we say, oh, she has postpartum, we're talking about depression. There's actually a spectrum of disorders that are diagnosable. One is depression and we call it peripartum mood disorders and anxiety disorders. Mm. That's what the spectrum's called. So one of them is depression, which is kind of the classic way to think about moms crying, overwhelmed, can't get out of bed, that kind of thing. Um, not eating, not sleeping. Um, sometimes you're having suicidal thoughts. Sometimes you're so overwhelmed, you're crying all day. Um, not really bonding with the baby. Sometimes that happens. You're like, oh, here's this baby, and I'm not really feeling connected to the baby. With depression, it's like something's not right. Yeah. Um, there's anxiety too, right? We become really anxious about baby. But sometimes those anxieties become um, compulsions and intrusive thoughts. Sometimes you can have thoughts that baby isn't safe in your care or the care of someone else. Um, And those intrusive thoughts are like this, you know, kind of broken record going on in your head and you can't get them out. Sometimes they're really scary. Um, Like something's going to happen to the baby or... um, you know, you don't want to give the baby up for some reason. You're worried about germs, those kinds of things. When those get in the way of everyday living, that's a problem. So that seems key there, what you said of like where it gets in the way of everyday living. Because I know like some of the things you were describing, I'm like, I feel like after both my girls, I was worried about their safety kind of all the time for a little bit there. And I had to actually have a conversation with myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what kind of mom do I actually want to be? And I would kind of go through a checklist in my mind was the way that I would do it. I would say, 
like especially if I would leave the baby when she was younger and it would always be either with my husband or with my folks which I'm very fortunate that I have that kind of support network but I can remember when Annabella my oldest was I don't know she must have been a couple months old and it was like the first time I went out to dinner and I remember I had to take my like walk myself through and say is the baby in harm's way like is she in physical danger staying with my mom and dad and then I was like okay no I can trust that is she in emotional danger where something bad's emotionally gonna happen to her no okay I can trust that like I had to kind of walk myself through this checklist and then I'd be able to breathe and I actually went out and had a relatively good time except for when my boobs felt like they were going to fall off because they were so full of milk. But it was like, you know, one of those things where it, it was like, okay, so I had to kind of walk myself through those things. But then it seems like with the postpartum depression, like you, you wouldn't even be able to access a tool like that. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, one of the things that happens, especially with anxiety and, and some, there is postpartum OCD, right? We get on the, we get these intrusive thoughts, like something's going to happen to my baby and it can be scary. And you can think, you might think you're crazy. I have patients that go, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. I'm psychotic because I'm, I'm worried that my baby's going to like, something's going to blow up and my baby's going to be a victim of a natural disaster or something. Some moms have this going on for them. Those are the moms I'm not worried about, actually, because they're protective. Yeah. Like your story was very, very protective. Yeah. I'm worried about her safety. Yeah. The thoughts become more bizarre. That is, you know, kind of a more of a red flag. I remember when Brooke Shields came out and talked about her postpartum depression and wrote that book. And I remember seeing her years ago on the Oprah show, how she would talk about visualizing her baby like being thrown against the wall and going down, like, and it was like, it haunted her. Yeah. It was an obsession. Like she could not do anything to get rid of this horrible image that was scaring the living daylights out of her. Right. And that's when she finally was like, I need help. Yeah. And, and I feel like when you're in that state, it must be so hard to reach out for help. Right. I mean, so hard. I'm just getting chills just thinking about it. What do, you, what do you see as like any of the moms that are listening right now that are relating to what we're saying and feel that sense of hopelessness? They feel that like that negative thought loop that they cannot get out of. And they are like, if your inner wisdom right now, mama is saying, okay, this is me. What, what's the next step for them to actually get some help around this? My patients to the person have said, it was so hard to come to you because I'm afraid people would think I'm a bad mom. Wow. Ah! Or they would think somebody's going to take my baby away. Right? Right. That's where we go. Right. We're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. And no one's going to take your baby away. Yeah. And asking for help is being a good mom. Right. Amen. It is being a good mom. It's that cliche. You know, you put your oxygen mask on first. Yep. And then you can take care of your babies. Yeah. And, you know, for a mom who's struggling, that call is so hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, the field, you know, it, it's difficult to find a therapist that you trust. Yeah. It really is. But you have to keep going. You have to keep making the calls. You have to call back. And unfortunately for somebody who's depressed or anxious or, you know, really, really struggling, that's a really hard thing to ask yourself to do. You know, if you're not getting out of bed or if you're afraid that 
if you speak up and say, honey, I'm think I have, I think I'm depressed and you're afraid that nobody will leave you alone with your baby. Right. No, those are, that's really real for people. So is there like an organization or anything that, um, specializes? I know before we started recording, you talked about something that you're involved with and I'm curious for the moms that might be relating to this and looking for a therapist, what's a good, is there a good resources around that? There, there are some great resources. The first resource would be to talk to your OBGYN. Okay. Unfortunately in medical school, peripartum mood and anxiety disorders aren't always covered. <laughs> OBGYNs really? Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. So, yes. So, so sometimes, I mean, the, the basics are covered. Yeah. But some OBGYNs are hesitant to prescribe medications, for example. Mm. Um, so the word is getting out. People are getting trained. Um, but I would go to your OB and be really frank and honest. Yeah. And say, you know what? These are my symptoms. I'm really afraid. I need help. Help me. Yeah. If they can't help you, there are some organizations that are, um, are great. One of them is um, the um, Postpartum International, postpartumsupportinternational.org. They have a referral service, so you can punch in your zip code, and they can find you a therapist in your area or a group. And group therapy actually is one of the best ways to get help um, because what happens is when you get in a group with other moms who are going through the same thing, you feel less alone. Yeah. The thing that most moms who are struggling describe. Um, so they're a great organization. They also have an online group for men. Men can get mood disorders after a baby is born. Wow, that is so good to shed light on. I feel like nobody talks about that. No, nobody talks about that. The research is just starting for men. Right. Um, and so this group is great because they have an online support network for guys. Awesome. Yeah. They're great. so great. They're also providing uh, great training for medical doctors, um, for therapists like me, for social workers, for doulas, for midwives. Uh, I went to a training earlier this summer and it was incredible. There were so many people there who were starving for this information because they didn't get trained when they were in graduate school and medical school. Right. What, it, once, so if you go down that road, and maybe there's even moms that aren't new moms, but just moms that have older children or tweens or teens or what have you, I feel like it's something that um, can happen when children are any age. I feel like we're particularly susceptible after a new baby because of all those hormones readjusting. But what, what are the common ways that depression is being treated? Because I know that there's a lot, there can be, not a lot. But I know that we are a nation where pill popping has become an issue as well. And so there's that balance between how do you know if you're clinically depressed? How do you know if you actually need medication versus if something that's more, you know, a co coaching or doing a program or whatever will actually help pop you back up above that kind of line of depression? What are your, I'm curious about your views on that. So it's funny when I think about depression with new moms, of course, moms are going to be exhausted. They're going to be deprived. Their appetite's going to be different. They're going to be super overwhelmed and nervous, scared. I remember the first time I was left alone with my babies, I was terrified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the difference is when you get a couple nights sleep, if things don't start feeling better, I would have, I would start 
wondering. Yeah. Um, if you uh, have a babysitter come over and you and your partner go out for dinner and your mood doesn't lift a little bit, I'd have some questions. You know, you want to kind of look at all the data points. Yeah. Um, because a lot of it can look like just being new mom and being exhausted. Um, in terms of treatment. Yeah. So I would say a great combination between therapy and then if your depression is, is at a level that is um, has some red flags, like I was talking about earlier, um, medication can be really, really helpful. Yeah. A lot of people have questions about medication and breastfeeding. Yep. Um, and that's probably the number one barrier for people getting medi getting some medication that will work. Of my patients who've taken medication, they all say, "Why didn't I do this sooner?" Wow. One of the things, you know, like breastfeeding is, is huge. You know, it's a huge barrier to, to even asking for medication because you feel like a bad mom. There are some medications that only have trace amounts of the medication that passes through the breast milk. Um, and there's all kinds of research to um, support medication and, and bre while breastfeeding. But you have to ask your doctor. You have to take that step. And that's hard. Do you feel like if you ended up on medication or if any of the moms here end up on medication and that is what them and their doctors have really decided is the best route for them and it's helping them, do you feel like that means they're going to have to be on that medication forever? No, no. The, the, the tricky part about antidepressants is it takes about four weeks for it to start regulating in your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why a lot of people give up on medication. Right. Um, so really sticking with it. And I would say maybe a year and usually your, your symptoms resolve. And if you learn some coping skills and if you go to therapy and maybe get some support outside of therapy, you're, you're, you're good. You know, it's definitely treatable. Yeah. It's, something, it's a problem that can be solved. So yeah, so I'm curious, when you've seen this, like, what do you feel like the impact is on marriages and relationships? What are you seeing in your practice and in your workshops with couples as they come in to becoming parents? I know that I recently heard that, you know, becoming a parent is like the most stressful thing that you can put on a marriage. And so I'm curious about that in your, um, in your work and what you're noticing about that, like what themes are emerging around that? I always say births and deaths bring, bring the best and the worst out of us. Yeah. <laughs> so true. And isn't that true? Yeah. And, you know, with, for a partner, it's really hard to know, um, what, you know, what, what to do. Um, cause some moms have a hard time giving up control to a partner. We also bring, and this is something we talk a lot about at home base. We bring a lot of our own, how we were parented into our own families and if we have any trauma history for example or issues with our own parents it's hard to kind of pull that all apart um if there are any problems or conflicts within the relationship before a baby's born a baby is a surefire way to shine a light on those yes um yeah and you know, you know, you know as well as I do. The first few weeks, months um, of the of a birth or a new mom, new parenthood, it's exhausting. The last thing you want to do is work on your relationship. You're just trying to get through the day and night. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's like, oh my gosh. I remember looking at Rob, my husband, when, uh, you know, especially with Evie for whatever reason, um, Evie was just tough the first few months. 
And um, like the only thing that would soothe her was being in the carrier only with me. She wouldn't let Rob do it and just bouncing. And so like, we'd be like watching television shows and I'd be like, have the baby in the carrier bouncing, like trying to get my mind off of that. I had to like keep this rhythm going, da, 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 you know? And it was like, I just felt like I'd look at Rob and we, it was like, we were in like the foxhole together, like looking across the battleground at each other being like, are you even over there? You know? And I, I feel like it's so normal that people can sometimes think that there's something wrong with them or wrong with their marriage if you're at each other's throats when you're that sleep deprived and overwhelmed and you're scared and all of those things are happening. I think sleep dep deprivation is one of the biggest things that, you know, I talk about in my practice because yeah. a lot, a lot of times if, if, you know, that's what the normal baby, if your baby has colic, oh my gosh. Yeah. The other thing that, the other thing that comes to mind is our partners who might feel bad that birth mom gets so much time with the baby or maybe their relationship is closer. Um, I hear that a little bit. Um, there is some like, um, I don't want to say competition, but like, oh, the baby likes you better than I do. Right. All that stuff that we think about, but we don't want to say out loud is happening for people. And it can get, it can get in the way of, of couples. Do you have any tools for anyone who's experiencing that in their marriage of what they could do or what they could say or what have you to help ease that? If there's jealousy going on, if there's competition, I mean, I know for me with my girls, it's like, you know, it's the all mom all the time channel. Um, and then now like finally with Annabella, I feel like now there's this, you know, breakthrough into like, dad is the coolest person ever. He's the silliest. I want to be with dad, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it, it's taken a while for sure yeah. with the girls. Cause, and also our personalities are very like, so I feel like there's, I'm pretty simpatico with my girls and I feel like Rob's more introverted and all of that stuff. So that there's this way in which they're a lot, they have a lot of energy and they're a lot. And I get that cause I'm a lot, I've got a lot of, lot of energy. And so it's like, what can we do when we're in those moments? And there's just, is the truth. Usually children have a preference. Yeah. It's really hard. It is hard. I think I'd say first is talking about it before the baby comes. Mm. Really talking about, okay, you know, we're going to have all these feelings. How are we going to talk about this once we're tired, hungry, exhausted, and frazzled? Right. Um, the other thing is really practicing compassion with one another and empathy. And empathy isn't, you know, I get it. Empathy is, I get it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. No, you have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And that's really hard for people. Yeah. Especially when we're so invested in the feeling we're having. Right. So true. So true. And it's like, I feel like the same thing with our kids, right? The more we can just be like, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, I get it. Not because it makes it all right for them or it fixes it, but just there's such a profound thing for all of us when we feel heard and seen and understood that opening up that space, whether in our marriage or with our children, I feel like it's the magic secret sauce of going into that space of connection with each other. You know, even if it's like your two-year-old, you know, for instance, because I have one, you know, throwing a tantrum over, you know, wanting to play with my phone, you know, and I'm just like, I feel you, honey. It is fun to play with the phone. And it's like amazing, like the magic that can occur in her little system when she gets that I feel her, it doesn't mean I'm going to give her the phone, 
but it's like, oh, I feel that. I get that. And I'm sitting there modeling being on my phone all the time. So of course she's going to see that and want to do that, you know? But it is that that sense of understanding, I feel like, can be so profound for all the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's huge. And, and for moms and their partners, you know, I remember um, with my with my kids being so exhausted and I have to do everything and I have to nurse all day and I have to, you know, and I didn't really understand that my partner also had his stuff, um, you know, because I was invested in my stuff. <laughs> um I also want to say, I think it's really important for, for parents to connect with each other somehow, some way, if that means getting a babysitter, having your mother-in-law come over, um, you know, putting the baby down and then having some alone time without the TV and the internet and the Instagram, um, really connecting with each other. I think that that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So and it's hard. It's hard to do that. It is. Even with older children, it's like making that relationship, that marriage a priority. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard when there's people literally pulling on your apron strings. Yeah. <laughs> your attention all the time. Sometimes it feels impossible. I remember I was really strict about bedtime because I wanted at least an hour before I passed out to just, I don't know, talk about the day with my husband. Yeah. Um, and some days it worked and some days it didn't work. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But even having the intention, I feel like can be huge. So yeah. that's yeah. awesome. And then he knew he was valued too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I'd love for you to talk to our listeners a little bit about home base. Again, the, um, the URL is homebaseparenting.org. Will you just talk a little bit about what you all are up to over there and how people can get involved with your incredible foundation? Yes. Um, so home base was started by me and my two business partners. Um, we worked in community mental health here in Oakland, um, with families who were in crisis and it was really difficult work, but really rewarding at the same time. And we would always scratch our heads and go, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we could talk to families before they got in crisis? And um, so we developed this uh, program, basically kind of the four fundamentals of parenting. And we have a workshop that we do uh, uh, probably about six times a year um, on Saturdays. And it's for new parents, parents who are expecting or parents who have little ones, um, uh, kind of about the fundamentals of parenting. It's almost like um, a, ch- a well baby class or a um, birthing class for your brain. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we teach parents about development. We talk about couple communication. I think that that's the highlight. Um, we talk about uh, consistency and um, routine and how important that is. We talk a little bit about sleep and what they can expect because when we were developing this, the three of us were like, how did the nurses let us leave the hospital with a baby? We have no idea what we're doing. And I mean, you, you spend nine months basically preparing for a birth, which lasts, I don't know, eight hours. Yeah. And then they give you the baby and you're like, oh. <laughs> now what do we do <laughs> so this is kind of just like a warm-up to all those feelings that you have once the baby's born 
Um, and then there are, you know, we do do workshops for parents with little ones um, and they come in, they have a laundry list of questions that they're re They're just ready to go. <laughs> That's great. We also do, oh, I should mention, we also do a free uh, group therapy for moms who are struggling on Mondays uh, from 10 to 11 at our office in Oakland. That's incredible. That's awesome. So again, that website is homebaseparenting.org. And if you're local here in the Bay Area, definitely check it out. And if you're not local, check it out because there's a great resources section where um, some of the um, resources that Carrie's talked about today, there's links out to that. There's links out to different books that you can look up. Um, those are all available to you as well there. And I will put, of course, the link to the website in the show notes. So Carrie, as we wrap up here, there's a question that I ask all my guests on the Mama Truth Show. And knowing that you're a mom yourself, I'd love to, I'd love to know what's messy and what's magical about motherhood for you personally these days. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs. I see. <laughs> it's funny because I could be talking all day. Um, well, you know, I have three middle schoolers. Three. Wow. Um, I had three babies in 17 months. <laughs> um, yeah. One set of twins. I was twins. Yes. Um, but they're all in middle school. And what's magical is that middle school is pretty great. Really? It is pretty great. Oh my gosh. And so my jaw dropped. That was like the one of the hardest times for me. So I'm completely projecting, I will say. But I'm right? so happy to hear that. Yes, it's pretty great. They are prepared. Uh they're learning stuff. They are enjoying their time. They are making friends. And so to me, that's magic. The messy part, and you you uh alluded to it, what is how I project my own experience onto theirs. Yeah. And I didn't have a great middle school time. It was three years of, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and when they come home from school and tell me their stories, I'm always thinking about in the context of my experience. And I always have to check myself about that because my experience isn't theirs. And so that's the messy part. It's kind of teasing that together and always reminding myself that, you know what, they get to have their middle school. And so far it's going okay. I can't tell you what's going to happen next year, but for now it's pretty good. That's awesome. I, I love that. And I just feel like there's such a, like a kind of a highlighter here that I'll put on that around that projection and how easy it is for us to do that and to say, oh my gosh, brace ourselves. Here come the tween years. Here come the teen years. Oh my God, I was the biggest rebel at 16. And it's like, what if it was different for your children and really letting them have their own experience? That is magical and yes, messy. <laughs> Always comes back to doing our own work. Dognamit. I mean, it does. And it takes a lot of awareness. It takes some actual thinking about it. Um, and it, it's easy to go through the motions. I mean, I'm, I'm working, I'm a mom. It's so easy to go through the motions and not give it some critical thinking. But I, I'll tell you, my best conversations are when I check my own stuff at the door and listen to them. I always tell parents, stop talking. Listen more than you're talking. And those are the best conversations we have with our kids. 
Beautiful. Well, that's the perfect ending note. Carrie, thank you so much, my dear, for being a guest here. What a joy. What a joy. And Mama's just a reminder again, if you are feeling like you may have postpartum depression, if you have even like a wondering about it, talk to your OBGYN, talk to your doctor, talk to someone, anyone and reach out and get support. You do not have to do this alone. You can post up on the Mama Truth Circle Facebook group. I will help, you know, hook you up with Carrie if you're here locally. Like whatever it is, we will, we're here to support you and support each other. We need each other. And with that, I'll sign off and remind you to just keep embracing the messiness and magic of motherhood. Bye, mamas. Thanks for listening, mamas. Did you know that Amy has a new ebook out? It's called Sacred Self-Care for Moms, Seven Steps to Nurturing Yourself So You Can Be the Mom You Were Born to Be. And you can receive your free copy by going to sacredselfcarebook.com. That's sacredselfcarebook.com. And please don't keep the Mama Truth Show a secret. The biggest compliment you can give is to share the Mama Truth Show with your loved ones and write a review on iTunes. Until next time, Keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood.